I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 21st, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. And good day, sunshine, to any Beatles obsessives reading this. Jay, I think that's probably one of you. Yeah. British director Sam Mendes announced that he would be making four separate feature films about the lads from Liverpool, with each movie taking the perspective of a different band member. Wow, that's a lot of Beatles content coming up. Set for a 2027 release, they are the first scripted films about the Beatles with the rights to use the band's music. Our guess is that there will be huge marketing campaigns for the John and Paul movies, probably a lot less for the George ones and the Ringo ones. That's going to go straight to Netflix. Jay, what do you think about the Beatles movies? Are you excited? I'm excited for two of them. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't imagine how you make enough, like that much content, but I guess we'll find out. Weren't they like boyhood friends? Like how much could they have before, you know, you actually know them? It could be a cost-effective way to make a movie and that you just cut the first 30 minutes from each one and you add it in. That's already done. <laughs> That's right. right. A different voiceover. I do think, I mean, there are lots of jokes to go around. Like, you know, hopefully the George and Ringo ones are shorts. Yeah. But uh, no, that's, look, they're going to be massive movies, I would imagine, because there's tons of interest still in the Beatles. And I would go see all four. I think you can make it an unbelievable weekend or a night of binge movie watching. I'm thinking about that movie. Was it yesterday? Yeah. Where the guy, that was a bad movie, but no. they did use the music. And But I think they used it, they didn't use the music. They had the guy sing the music and so that was allowed. I know it's a different price if you're making a movie. I know that that's a different price to actually use it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my friend Ed Sheeran is in that. Yeah, he was bad in it too because he, he comes across, he's supposed to be a jerk in it and then you walk away from the movie thinking he's actually a jerk. So he was good. I guess it was good. <laughs> he was good in the movie, but it was bad for his persona. I don't like your take on that movie. I found the movie great and I thought Ed Sheeran in it was great. So I guess we differ on our, I guess you're, I think the smile on your face, because I can see you, I think in your mind, you're just calling me a boomer. Oh, a boomer, but also, you know what, Jay? You're right. We have different tastes in movies. We'll <laughs> leave it there. Great. Well, you and I will go to the Ringo one together. Brett, aside from the Beatles, I don't know what four movies is called. Not a trilogy, but trilogy plus one. What do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, the law locks out lockbit hackers. For our second story, Alberta's tourism industry gets a new immigration stream and our big picture. For our first story, a shadowy international syndicate of cyber criminals just got a taste of its own medicine. How are we fighting back, Brett? So authorities have seized control of the notorious ransomware gang LockBit's web infrastructure after a successful operation led by UK's National Crime Agency with participation from law enforcement from around the world, including Canada. Yeah, authorities shut down the group's website, seized about 11,000 domain names and servers, and about 1,000 decryption tools that can be used to help LockBit victims. The operations also resulted in the arrest of two allegedly high-ranking members and the collection of a wealth of data authorities believe will help result in future arrests. Now to catch you up, LockBit has grown to startling heights thanks to its sterling business model. The gang mastered the idea of ransomware as a service, renting out its high-end malware technology to a loose group of hackers and then taking about 20% cut of any ransoms they get. Now, this matters because the world's most prominent ransomware gang is now effectively out of business, having been locked out of their own systems. This is a massive W for the fight against cybercrime and should lead to a collective sigh of relief for companies worldwide. Yeah, since 2019, LockBit's scores of members and affiliates have extorted millions from targets, leaked rafts of sensitive information, and even disrupted the operations of everything from UK's Royal Mail to clerical services in Fulton County, Georgia. In Canada, LockBit was responsible for 22% of all attributed ransomware attacks in Canada in 2022. 
and has been tied to several high-profile debilitating attacks like hacks against Indigo, the Weather Network, and Sick Kids Hospital, though it did apologize for that one, Jane. <laughs> what, what, they didn't know what they did? <laughs> it's right in the name. For our second story, as people keep flocking to Alberta's picturesque mountains, the province is struggling to find enough workers to staff the businesses needed to keep the tourism industry afloat. Here's what happened. Alberta is opening up a new path to permanent residency specifically for temporary foreign workers who are working in the province's tourism industry. Chefs, travel guides, and hotel receptionists are among the roles that will be eligible for the program. It's happening because in smaller Alberta towns, labor pools are drained by the oil and gas industry, which offers better wages compared to jobs in hospitality and tourism. That's forced businesses to turn to temporary foreign workers as nature-crazed tourists flood the province. Some provinces like Saskatchewan also have their own immigration policies in place to fill labor shortages for lower-skilled jobs like trucking and farming. But by tying permanent residency status directly to individual employers, experts say that the workers' abilities to stay in Canada will become largely dependent on their relationship with their bosses, a one-sided dynamic that can open them up to all types of exploitation. Yeah, those who are desperate for a path to residency are likely to take poor-paying jobs, essentially erasing the business incentive to make the jobs more competitive. The bottom line is that the push for more labor, it's all a part of Alberta's efforts to double its tourism economy by 2035 and diversify its economy further away from oil and gas. And for our big picture today, inflation cools to 2.9%. Canada's annual inflation rate fell to 2.9% in January, down from 3.4% in December marking the first time since June that the consumer price index has fallen within the Bank of Canada's 1-3% to target range. Price growth decelerated in five of the index's eight sectors, including food, while lower gas prices played the biggest role in the decline. Quebec asks Ottawa for help with asylum seekers. Quebec's provincial government is calling on the feds to reimburse the province for the $1 billion it has reportedly spent accommodating the growing number of asylum seekers since 2021. Ottawa is currently in talks with Mexico about addressing the rise in asylum claims coming from the country. Disease-resistant banana gets green light. Australia and New Zealand have given farmers the go-ahead to begin commercially producing genetically modified bananas, which have been altered to resist a fungus disease that has been wreaking havoc worldwide. The fungal disease, which can affect all sorts of crops, has become a major threat to global food security. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to business news podcast in Canada. If you got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. Have a great Wednesday, Peak Pals. Peak Pals.